Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Many of you probably saw the amazing shot that Kayla Skurlick made in the finals of the Alberta Scotties to beat Casey Scheidegger. Kayla Skurlick, a shot for the win. Very close. Yes. She has made it. Wow. Kayla Skurlick. Screams from Jerry Lynn Ramsey and Ashton Skurlick and Brittany Tran. The Alberta Scotties Tournament of Hearts. Some broom tossing from Jerry Lynn and Ashton. You can see the emotion there with the hugs between teammates. I got a few replies on Twitter from people who said they didn't like the celebration. I don't like you. I know that we think of curling as, ooh, it's the gentle person's game or whatever. Yeah, it can still be that while also allowing room for these athletes who have worked their entire lives and their entire careers to enjoy a moment they've dreamt about for years and years and years. I mean, I know I never won my province. I never made the Canadian juniors. I never made the Briar. I know how much work it takes to get that close and not get there. And I can only imagine how it feels to get over the hump. And I remember 2013 Olympic trials, maybe the most famous example, Brad Jacobs with the famous, come on, you know, to the audience. And there are people who disliked Brad and disliked team Jacobs for years after that. They held a grudge against one of the more interesting, outspoken, great players to ever play the game because he got excited that he made a shot. What the hell are we doing here? This is a sport. Do you not like sports? Do you not like people experiencing joy? What is it inside of you that makes you think when someone celebrates a victory, they really got to tamp that down. I didn't appreciate that. That is what sports is all about. It's about the passion for the game and curling. That's all it is. Newsflash. There's not a ton of money in this game. The passion for the game is what keeps people playing. Every top curler will tell you, even the ones who have had a lot of success, behind every success in curling, there's a trail of crushing losses. You've got to celebrate those wins when you have them. Those of you who complain about it, stop complaining about it. And those of you who aren't celebrating, celebrate more. Let's get people into our game and let's get them excited about it because I think it is something that's truly special about the game and I would hate to lose it. And someone who's done a lot of celebrating is this week's guest. You may know her from many of her accomplishments. She's an Olympic champion. She's a European champion. She's a career Grand Slam champion. Anna Hasselborg joined me on the show this week. It was just an absolutely great time. If you've never listened to an interview with Anna before, she is one of the most fun and infectious personalities in the game. I know you're going to love listening to this as much as I loved talking to her about it and doing it in the moment. So without any further ado, I just want to get right to it. This is Anna Hasselborg. 
You're a winner, my team captain, the governor, you're the boss. You leave the others standing, you're my prophet, it's their loss. I'm here with Anna Hasselborg, and Anna, we start every episode with a lightning round. So it's just uh, quick questions. You give me uh, the first thing that pops into your mind. We call it the top four. Are you ready for this? Oh, yes. Okay. Question one, which curler have you never played with before that you would want to? Oh, shit. Kevin Martin. <laughs> if all the rocks are the same, so you know that all the rocks are good, you have no problem with any of the rocks on the sheet, what color are you taking? Mm, yellow. What's something that's considered a basic thing in curling that you struggled to learn? Time management. How would your bitterest rival describe you? Like a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, why? I don't think you're a bitch at all. Uh, I don't know. I think there's a few people out there that would say that I am. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. That's good. That's good. I don't know if anyone will ever say that again on the show or top that answer. So congratulations. <laughs> okay, let's get into the, the questions proper. And I wanted to start out kind of light, but I am always curious about this. How famous are you in Sweden? <laughs> Not that famous, I would say, but like Sweden are famous for not caring about famous people. Oh, okay. Not putting myself into the same category. I'm just giving examples here. Uh, but our queen and king could go out to town and like eat the normal dinner. And no one would bug them. No, and no one would bug them. And uh, I like I know a few Hollywood uh, celebrities that have summer houses here that in Sweden because it's so nice because it's like a relaxing thing because we don't care <laughs> or we do care but the Swedish thing is that we stare I feel like that might be worse that you're just staring the entire time <laughs> exactly so it's both like just around Olympics and stuff I get stared at a lot <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but it also feels like people recognize me but don't know exactly who I am so they think that maybe I work at their children's school or I'm in the register for the, at the coffee I think, shop. I think something. that's my daughter's teacher. I feel like, <laughs> is that who that is? It, it definitely has shown that the last uh, two Olympics curling has grown as a sport here. Like not so much maybe in, in amount of curlers, but in, in interest. So it definitely, you can definitely feel the difference for sure but uh, you can feel more people staring at you when you're, <laughs> yes, <laughs> when, you're out, when you're out when you're out exactly but, but i would never say that uh, i would never say i'm famous no i wouldn't take those words who's the celebrity that you would break swedish protocol for and you would not just stare at them but you would go up to them and you'd have to say something that's such a good question i don't know actually uh i'm i, th I feel that i'm just like everyone else here so I don't say uh, I wouldn't go up. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's, yeah. impre that's impressive. I mean, I feel like I'm a good person. So I'll see someone famous <laughs> and then I'll just be like, I'm just such a good person that I just won't even, oh. I won't even say hi. I'll just be like, <laughs> nice. I'll be chill. But I, I would probably just stare and say, uh, say to a friend like that's, that's oh her. Or that's that's Yeah. Have you met the king before? Uh, yes, we have. Yeah. A few because times, of the yes. deal. Okay, and how is he chill? What's the what's the king's deal? He's famous for being chill. <laughs> That's oh, all okay. I yeah. feel like that is like Scandinavian. <laughs> it's like every time, like the Finnish uh, prime minister or whatever, she just like throws parties and stuff. Yep. It just 
Yeah, I, I feel like I gotta, I gotta maybe move to Sweden or something. Yeah, it's like, like but you in. live in BC, do you? So I think you're, yeah, you're pretty good where you are. Yeah, we're pretty chill. We had a lunch in the Olympic Village uh, in 2018 with the king, and uh, he talked about that he wanted to open up a, a ice cream truck. Uh, so. <laughs> The king's ice cream. Yeah. Wow. And I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not legal for the king to <laughs> sell stuff, but <laughs> yes. I would buy the king's ice cream any day. Yeah, he, he really loves ice cream. <laughs> now, I, I wanted, I love this already. This is my favorite interview I've ever done. So I wanted to say, uh, for, uh, I didn't even say this off the top, very rude of me. Congratulations. You just announced that you're pregnant again. That's exciting. Uh, your whole team is pregnant, pretty much. You're just, was this the idea that you all sort of knew you'd like to have a child and you planned it for this season or did it just kind of happen magically? Uh, no, it was definitely something that uh, was talked about within the team. But then, as you say, you can't plan. But I think we have been in two cycles together or th- three quarters of a cycle the first year. And like it's looked so different, the two like the two Olympics that we went to. And, and the first one, uh, we came basically from nothing and... Uh, we worked our way from thirtieth uh, on the ranking to being number three before going to the Olympics with basically no money at all. We played everything. Uh, we were in Canada for more than a month, and <laughs> we still didn't have money to like pay the next hotel. We just had to win the earnings that just went straight into the accommodation, and we did that. Uh, and we knew it was something you can do when you have such high goals together. And But that is not a way you can keep going for a long time. And then uh, before 2022, it was a completely different season, like we, or cycle, I mean, like we, uh, we were able to plan, we had good sponsors, we had a good relationship with our Olympic Association, like uh, our association. So like, we thought we were going to have four really nice and planned years. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I managed to <laughs> accidentally have a <laughs> baby in there, but uh, everything worked <laughs> fine. Uh, and, uh, and and she was uh, very welcome when she came, but a uh, big surprise. <laughs> uh, but like, I will never. I won't show her this interview when she grows up. Don't worry. I will tell her. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think like. When we decided this summer that we wanted to go four more years, uh, I think it's so important because we are the same team uh, that like, we know what we can do when everything is just working. Uh, and in order for things to work, I think it's so important with the balance and to hold people back from life dreams and life choices is never, never a good idea if you want to have success. So, yep, this is definitely... As Sarah, quote Sarah, the typical after the Olympics babies. It's funny, you led me right into my next question, which I have written down. So we're we're like in synergy, <laughs> we're in sync here. Um, but yeah, you talked about the money thing. And, and I think I, I wanted to talk about this with you because I've interviewed Nicholas a few times. And I think in Canada, we have this idea and, and we're sort of honestly like a little bit you know, derisive about it. We're kind of mean to you about it where we say, oh, well, Anna and Nick, they're professional curlers and, you know, they, they're full-time curlers. And so it's going to always be so hard for us to keep up with them because they're full-time. But I think we have this idea that you're living in this like lap of luxury and and you have all this time to curl. Mm. Can you 
you know, maybe share with the listeners a little bit sort of what that kind of financial journey has looked like for you. You already talked a little bit about it, you know, in the start where you kind of had none. And then the last quad, you know, you don't have to go deep, deep into your bank account. But I think it is (laughs) something that's interesting that, you know, people don't quite know that it's it's not exactly this like life of roses that people seem to think it is. No, I'm glad I get the opportunity to talk about this because I have told the announcers that it's really hurtful for us to hear those kind of lies being spread about us because it takes away a big part of the story and the big and a, and a big part of who we are and our identity because uh, the three first years that we had leading up to winning an Olympic gold, that is something that I cherish so much, but it was so tough. Yeah. I mean, like we had to pay tickets over to get to Canada. And then when we came here, we have, had no money and uh, we emailed uh, we emailed organizations, committees and asked them if we, if we could stay in their like basements and stuff. I owe a lot to different Canadian families who just like borrowed their car to us and cooked us dinners and stuff like uh, and that was just uh, one and a half year before Olympics so it's pretty wild when you think about that after the Olympics when we decided like now we're in 2018 so there's the spring of 2018 and when we decided to go one more cycle uh, we had won that gold basically we just worked our asses off like uh, nothing comes for free here and uh, we got lucky. Uh, me and Agnes were working at a big company called Vattenfall, an energy company here in Sweden. And Sarah had been working at um, a big steel company that called Sandvik. We were both quitting our jobs, but we had good relationships. So uh, we started off there and uh, we got lucky and got them as head partners. And they are still with us to this day. And uh, I guess we worked really, really hard and we have continued to work really, really hard, but we don't get anything at all. Like there's no one helping us getting those sponsors or we call, we go to meetings, we uh, email, like we all do those things. But I, I, I would like to say that we are not in a really good position right now because of all the hard work that we did. And But, <laughs> but we definitely don't have more money than any of the other top ranked teams in Canada in terms of sponsors. And then we also have the thing that in Canada, you can split your winnings and sponsor money. You don't have to tax, but uh, in Sweden, we tax as both and as an employee and as an employee and as an employed. So we tax both because we pay our own paycheck. So that means that we are both the employer and the employee. So (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Weird. but it's also a very like a system that we are I'm very proud of and take a lot of pride in because we have it's a long story, but we we <laughs> so it's actually <laughs> but it, it's it's a system that it is built for uh, us being able to still have a small scholarship from the Swedish Olympic Committee. Yes, that's what Nicholas told me about. Uh, scholarship makes us have like some kind of security because that makes us be able to pay the rent. And when I say small, um, I know it's less than the winners of Scottish, uh, Scottish and Briar get, but it's still something uh, that is secure. Uh, but in order to have that kind yeah. of scholarship, we can't, um, we can start different um, like companies. Uh, so then we have to be employed and then we have, uh, developed a really cool thing that is under the Swedish Association. But the thing is, the Swedish Association doesn't have any money that they give us. It's just that we use their company to be able to pay out our money. 
so that's why we are so that's why we are the employed and the employee. Oh, I see. I see. So it's a long story, but it's very cool that because then if I take parental leave, I'm actually allowed to do that and get money from the government because we are right. employed. Uh, or Nicholas, when he was, I don't know if he did it, but he, he is allowed when he was out for a couple of months with his knee, he is allowed to take sick leave. Gotcha. And that is something that is one of the things that I get interviewed the most about in Sweden. It's a very equal pay system for men and women in sports because uh, I get I get the opportunity to be on parental leave, not causing my team too much pro- trouble. So very gender, what do you call it? I, I'm, equal, yeah, yeah. Equal, yeah. So long story. <laughs> you know, it's, it's good. I mean, because I, I, like I said, I think people have this idea that, you know, your government is just giving you a, a ton of money. And I know that that's not true. So I think it's always interesting to talk about. And one, one thing Nicholas told me too, was that he said they started out at about $500 a month from the Olympic Committee. And then as they got better, it went up to about 1300 And that was sort of the most they ever made. But then he said, that the problem is, and you probably ran into this too, once you start making more money, like once you start winning more money, then they actually give you less money because yes. they want to give other athletes who maybe aren't winning but are trying to build their way up. So it's kind of this double-edged sword too. It's like you want the money from the government to start winning more, but then when you win more, they give you less money. Yeah, and, and uh, very important to say it's not the government. Sweden is actually Sorry, one Olympic of the, Committee, my yes, apologies. Sweden, yes, no, but that's the thing though too. Sweden is one of the countries in the world that gives, uh, uh, we give very little money to elite uh, athletes or elite uh, sports. In our like government budget in Sweden, it's more money to sports in very much lower levels. So we are one of the countries uh, in the world that uh, has the smallest post in the state budget for elite sports. But uh, so our Olympic committee is also fully, almost fully sponsorship driven. Right. Basically, they sort of act as a middleman between like they they're able to get bigger sponsors because they're the Swedish Olympic Committee and then they pass on that money they get from the sponsors to the athletes am I right in saying yeah, yes okay. yes but I uh, don't want to compare or anything but I know that at this point right now I think like for sponsorship deals we have been more lucky than for example Nicholas team so I can't sit here and say that we have a bad situation at all because we have we have huge sponsors in uh, Sandvik and Vattenfall are two of Swedish biggest companies and we have had long-term relationships with them and and we have one more like a construction company is also very big so like we're really happy about that and and I don't want to talk that down at all but we have worked for every single Swedish krona that is on our account <laughs> <laughs> no I mean I think that's good to know like I think people understand how it works in Canada that a lot of the curlers have day jobs and they pursue these sponsorships that help them curl but I think yeah I think people do have this idea that the European and Asian teams are and I know it's different for every country so I'm not trying to say <laughs> that Sweden is the same as South Korea or whatever. But I just, I know people, they're somewhat unfair to you based on, you know, the idea that, oh, well, if Canada, if if we could just be, if we could just have the funding that Anna and Nicholas have, we'd be so good or whatever. You know, I think it's important. Yeah. And, and I think 
like it, it has been a choice for us to quit our jobs uh, because it's not it was not possible the way we did it. Like we, our team had normal jobs until um, the Olympic right. year, uh, the season of 2017-18. Like I, but then we choose to be on like an existential minimum right. <laughs> uh, of money. Uh, <laughs> And that was our choice because that was how we wanted it to be. So uh, it's definitely hurtful when people think that uh, stuff like when they say that we come with our government money and take your money. Uh, and uh, because I know how hard we have worked and I know how hard everyone around the world is working. So don't think anyone deserves to be taken that away from <laughs> I agree. I agree completely. Okay, let's get off of uh, let's get off of the financial thing. Let's talk about this cycle, this this quad, because you know, as you said, y- your team kind of started in a few years before the 2018 Olympics, and you just ran a full quad from 2018 to 2022. Obviously, two very successful quads: gold in 2018, bronze in 2022. What did the discussion look like for your team uh, at the end of the Olympics? Was there ever any discussion of not continuing or what did that look like? Cause I know in Canada, it is a little bit different also, right? We've got, you know, there's lots of options when you want to potentially break up your team and maybe not so much in Sweden. What did that discussion look like at the end of last season? To be honest, coming home from the Olympics and all what the quarantining and what COVID had done to us the last two years uh, leading up to the Olympics and peaking around the Olympics and um, everything that happened to our team, being in quarantine, not even being able to have a pre-camp together, Sofia getting COVID with no idea how. Uh, Sofia was not even on the plane over with us to China. We didn't know if she was going to show up before the first game. Like There were so many shit things going on for us. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then just it was not definitely not the way we pictured it at all. And I think after uh, when we sat down together uh, or we talked before, actually, like just around the world, like no one was feeling very mentally well, really. We went to the worlds straight after the Olympics. And then uh, before going to play there's I remember like shit, like but it was the first time I really thought about like, do I really want this? This, this actually sucks. Like, uh, do I want to do this? But then we came to Toronto in April and Canada was open again and everyone was so happy. Like everyone we met was happy. All the teams were happy. It was like such a good vibe. And, um, and it was just like, I had my family with me and Mira and Matthias and, Agnes had her daughter with her and like it was just everything that I love about curling and then we ended up winning (laughs) too which that helps and then I think like on the plane back I was like (laughs) so girls it it turns out like I don't think curling sucks I think COVID sucks I just mixed it up (laughs) I I want to do this like yeah I think curling is super fun but (laughs) like I think that it definitely killed my joy for the game and my playfulness and uh, I think that are two big parts of the team's success uh, our joy and our playfulness with everything we do and 
to so to be able to find that at the players again was probably the biggest gift and and one of the big reasons that we decided to continue for four more years. Love it. Now, what is, do you think this quad's going to look a little different since uh, one of your team members no longer lives in Sweden? How are you sort of uh, managing that? Yeah, and that is goes hand in hand with what I was saying before. Like, uh, I don't think we can hold anyone back for doing what they need to do in order to be happy. Uh, and a happy athlete is a good athlete. So, uh, and to be honest, it's not that big of a difference because she's been staying in Sask all the time in between events. It's just that she actually has a home there now. <laughs> right now, this season, it, of course, it's like different, but it's so many other things that is different. Sarah has not been around. We have had different lineups and different alternates all the time. And I think I'm super positive and I'm so happy for her to finally be able to do it. And uh, if it's going to be different, it's just going to be different than that. You just have to work around it. But obviously, there's a lot of things that's going to be different. We're going to be like... 12 or 13 people on tour next year and <laughs> yeah you got a whole you're gonna have a whole crew <laughs> yeah and uh, you're gonna need a bus exactly and like there it's going to be three moms in teams and one in sask and like so we definitely have our challenges but uh We've had our challenges before and I, I, we're up to it. Yeah, nice. I love it. Okay, well, uh, I like to break up the interview with a segment that I call Dirty Laundry, which is where I uh, dig up some dirt on my guest. I do want to ask you if you could uh, tell me the story of the time that you snuck into an Edmonton Oilers game. <laughs> what? Who told you this? <laughs> uh, my sources are confident. That is a good... No, okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Is it what you call it when it's been like 10 years, then you can't get oh, charged? Oh, yeah. Stat statute of limitations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it is. Uh, I think it's five years maybe in Canada. Five years. Okay, good. Good. Okay, then we're good. Don't worry. The, <laughs> nothing you say on Way Inside, you can be held accountable for in a court of law. So you're you're safe. Well, me and Agnes were working. Uh, we lived in Edmonton for a couple of months uh, in the fall of 2009. Like everyone in Sweden, basically, like they graduate and then they work and then save up money and they go to Asia or something like that. And you and Agnes picked Edmonton? Yep. <laughs> because we still wanted to curl. And we got that question so many times, like, why did you choose Edmonton? So we started just to make up this story that we had a party one night and I threw darts and it accidentally came on Edmonton. <laughs> you were hoping to hit Vancouver, but it landed on Edmonton. <laughs> exactly. There were so many people that actually believe that story. So that's how high the Edmonton people think of themselves. <laughs> However, we loved it there. It's uh, some of my, like, it, we had so much fun. And uh, we worked as arena hostess. Oh, okay. The uh, Brixel yep. place, was it called back then? Maybe we weren't huge fans of the outfits that we had yes what did what did you have like a like a vest or something or what was that yeah they always have like an ugly vest yeah <laughs> yes and a, a big shirt and like i'm not that big so everything was just very big on me right, and, sure sure and yeah. i had to have it and it had to be tucked in and it was just like <laughs> just horrible yes and then it's very expensive to go to oilers games too i might add and we did not make much, a lot of money um so we thought perfect thing here would be to go dressed all up in those beautiful clothes uh, <laughs> and pretend that we're going to go on a shift even though <laughs> even though we quit it uh, like 
two or one yes. week earlier. Uh, so we went in very big on confidence. Like we were 19. Of course, you got to act like you're supposed to be there. Saying hi to everyone, chatting, then straight into the bathroom. We had some picnic with us. Um, we <laughs> sat in the bathroom for a lot of hours and we changed clothes and we, yes, we did throw away the clothes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never told this story. I have no, like, how did, how did someone know this story? Uh, and then we just went up and watched the game and had a lot of fun. <laughs> I hear it's so illegal now when I tell it. Like it didn't it didn't sound that bad in my own mind when I <laughs> 2009 you're fine. We were 19. Yes. 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 You're good. No one's going to judge you. That's amazing. I it must have also been like fun obviously to sneak into the game but then also to have the sort of joy of being able to throw out the clothes. Yeah, I would say it was like a ceremonial or ceremonial thing. Right. Was, yes. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Like we were there for not a lot of months, but then every time I do a podcast, there's a new story that someone heard about those months. There's like a Kevin Martin hot tub uh, incident as well. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so everything happened. Like we, I, I, otherwise we're so, we're so good girls and we never do anything. <laughs> I, I don't think this is going to like, uh, I don't think that's going to ruin your reputation. Anna, or anything. I don't think people are going to be like, oh, I really liked Anna. But then I found out when she was 19, she snuck into an Edmonton Oilers game and now she's cut off. Maybe if I just blame it on Agnes, like she is. <laughs> You're the skip. You're a, she she actually legally has to take the fall for you. That's how it works when you the skip, I think. Yeah, you know, I think so too, but I'm not sure she she would agree, but and she's strong, so strong. I don't want to offend you, but yeah, I, I think if you and Agnes got into a fight, I um, I prefer Agnes's chances in that. That's why I have it in my team. Like That's why I kept it that way since I was 10. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I, that was going to be my sort of follow-up question to this. Um, you know, you and Agnes have played together now for so long. And I, as I found out in the pandemic when we did that uh, stream together, you two have cottages across the street from each other. And you're obviously very close. What is it about Agnes that has made such a great partnership between the two of you? You can be on or off the ice, you know, how... Because I think I'm fascinated. I think a lot of curlers, even when they're great friends in Canada, they will spend time apart, you know, they'll go play for other teams or, you know, whatever. So what about the sort of partnership between you and Agnes has been so special for so many years? When it comes to curling, I think the easy answer is that we are really good at pushing each other. Like, we really challenge our boundaries together and when she's on the ice I always feel very like empowered and like I always feel her like 100% trust in everything I do and that is a feeling you want to have when you throw last rocks and back in the days when my dad was coaching us uh, I remember he's saying like we can go off a game and we looked at the score like talking about the game and then he says like 10% of Anna's is Agnes like, uh, so she's like, I, I will have to give her 10% because her like encouragement or her sweeping or always like that. So I definitely think that is a big part of our curling success, but also like we're just, we're family, like we're like sisters and I think we respect each other, have, think very highly of each other and just been 
a big part of each other's life for so long. <laughs> we can't get out now. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're trapped. We did the we did a crime together. We're yeah. we're bonded for yes. life. Oh, we did more than <laughs> No, but like we um I'm godmother to her daughter and she's godmother to my daughter and it's just like we're family. Like it's um it's always been like that. It's just there. It's just there. It just meant it's how it's supposed to be. It's great. I love it. Have you, what's the biggest <laughs> fight you guys have ever had? Have you ever had a fight? Yeah, like we can definitely fight, but not like, uh, it's never big. It's very much more sibling-like fights. Right. Bickering. Yes. Because, because we sense everything about each other. Well, I just was curious because you said that you two push each other a lot mm. uh, competitively. So I know sometimes, yeah. you know, the competitive juices get flowing, you're pushing each other, you know, maybe that results in a little bit of a disagreement or something. It's hard to say fight, but like right. we we definitely have really high demands on each other. Gotcha. Even even if we do have that big trust, like uh, I'm a person with pretty high demands on playing quality. So <laughs> yeah, the biggest demands on it's it's always going to be on myself. But I think that we talk a lot about that in our team, and I think it comes so much from respect because I always think that uh, someone that I think is this great should be able to make everything. Sure. Like right. that's how I, that's how I see it. And that's how I see my, my girls. Right. It's a very special bond and story and, and rare in curling. So I, I wanted to ask about it. <laughs> we talked a little bit about how Canadians can be a little bit hurtful towards you sometimes. <laughs> and I, I, I'm sure you're aware, particularly on the women's side of the game, we've had two Olympics in a row where we haven't medaled. And, uh, you know, we're, we're panicking over here a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of like, Oh, how are we going to catch up to the international teams? And you're certainly the top or near the top of that list of teams that have really kind of scared our country. Um, so I was curious, like, does that satisfy you a little bit? Is that like a little bit kind of cool that like our country is sort of like panicking cause you're so good. <laughs> There's no good answer to this question. <laughs> no, like like curling in Canada, regardless of how much you're panicking or not, the curling in Canada is always going to be curling in Canada. And that's why, like, if you go to a slam, you're away, Canadians are away five days. We're, we're away 10. Like, that's, like, we we want to go to Canada. We want to see the audience. We Because, like, Canadian curling fans are the best in the world. And as I said in the beginning, we're so thankful. Like, there's actually people has let us stay in their houses and stuff. So uh, I, I would never go to the extent that I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> to me, this question is not insulting to Canadians. It just got to feel, like, a little bit good. I think it's just fun to see how good the world is going to be because that is eventually going to see like how great the sport of curling is going to be. And if you look at, I don't know if you like rewatched the 2010 Olympics, it's not that long ago, but especially like on the, on the women's side, it has happened so much in such a short period of time. And that comes from a lot of teams being really, really good uh, and pushing each other. That is more fun and cool when you do have then Korea, Japan, Sweden, Great Britain, Scotland, Switzerland, like there's so many countries like going to the Olympics, uh, you can actually be nervous finishing last or right in the top. I think Canada should not be panicking so much. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. That's part of why I asked the question too. It's a little bit overblown. Yeah, but but also I understand because we experience it too at the Europeans a little bit from Swedish media 
like I understand the pressure of being Canadian going to the Olympics, but and you're such a much bigger country. But when it comes to the Olympics, I think the pressure on Swedish curlers are the same. Look at the records. Like those are big shoes to fill when you go to your first Olympics. Yeah, Sweden has more medals in the women's discipline at the Olympics now than Canada does. So there's, you know, there is obviously that expectation there for sure. Two golds and then Margrethe Sifferson just shows up and takes a silver like on her first Olympics. And like, yeah, we have had some amazing teams. Like, I think it's cool how many teams there. It's good. That's how I'm going to answer this question. I love no, it's good. I love it. Great, great answer. And okay, let's talk about you know you you talk about all the great Swedish women's teams, and I think this is sort of a, a pertinent question because you know the last two quads, I think it's fair to say uh, you were the dominant Swedish team. Really, you know, you, you probably in 2018 thought to yourself, well, if we work as hard as we've been working, we will probably be at the 2022 Olympics. You know, you won the gold in 2018. You're one of the top teams in the world. Now, this quad, things are a little different. Isabella Rana is, you know, right up on your heels in the world rankings. You, you two are only separated by three ranking spots right now. So this is kind of, I feel like, the first quad where you're going into it knowing that you're going to have some, like, intense competition this quad. So I was curious, do you think that this is good? Is this going to push your team to another level? Uh, does it change how you approach this quad? You know, how, how do you feel kind of going into it knowing that there's sort of a, a very strong number two team or even a 1A, 1B team uh, to yours? Uh, that's a really good question. I think, like, last quad... Um we really we were anticipating a big competition from Bella because we we know how good they are. We've known that for a long time. Even if the world hasn't known it, we've known it. We always had tight battles with her, like always for many many years. And I definitely think that is one of the reasons that why we stayed on our toes for the last the last cycle. We felt really really chased by that team. For this quadrennial, I definitely think that. It's going to help us feel, stay motivated when we get back to normal conditions. It's not that I'm saying that we are not motivated or that we don't want to go at it right now, but we definitely know that it looks very different for us uh, and them. We also have been in a situation where we've been chasing. We know how it is to chase and uh, we know how it is to work so hard against Anna because we did the exact same run against Margrethe Sigfridsson for the 2018 Olympics. So I look very fondly and have great memories of those kind of battles. And uh, I'm looking forward to have the same kind of battles with Team Rano this cycle. And I definitely think that it's just going to push us and be make us better. Definitely. And it's obvious that they are in another situation in their lives. They're younger than us and they're uh, ready to play everything and have played a lot more than we have this season. Yeah, no, I'm just welcoming the battle. That is what sport is all about. Love it. Love it. I agree. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch uh, over the next few years. And uh, before we get into the trivia, this is the last question I have for you. And um, Gore hilt perfect for Team Hasselboria under Denar Fjörstagen or Ser Daou? Could you take that one more time? Yes. Omalt Gor Ilt Perfect Fur Team Hasselboria Under Den Hor Fjörstagen Urser Deut. 
<laughs> that was great. Uh, it's just that uh, the Google Translate has fooled you on that word fyra årsdagen. Yes. Uh, because you're saying uh, I'm turning four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to ask about this quadrennial. But... Yes, yes. Uh, and that uh, I understood that. But you ask if everything goes perfect for Team Hasselborg on your fourth birthday. <laughs> 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 I hope it goes. How will it look? <laughs> I hope it goes perfect for you on your fourth birthday. Well, I wasn't because uh, I originally put quad in Google Translate, and it was a different word than quadrennial. Okay, but then I, the word we were using here in those terms, we would say Olympic cycle. So cycle. Uh, so you would say Olympisk uh, Olympisk cycle. Olympisk cycle. You sound a little bit Russian. You do that. Like we, we don't do that in Swedish. It's very hard to make the soft mouth sounds. I'll say that. It's very hard. Uh, how did you say my name again? S- say it again. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm like taking you down to pieces now. This, But, you know, I come from a teacher family. So this is the teacher in me. No, this is good. I got to learn. I got to learn. Hasselborg. Yeah. But it's just got to quit there. You say one. So Hasselborg. Bor. Hasselborg. Hasselborg. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Hasselborg. I think it might have been Nicholas, but I know like we say Peter Forsberg, but it's actually like... Forsberg. Yes, Forsberg. Yes. <laughs> and so that's where I think I have this like Borg, be, like this Beria in my mind anyway. Vakul. 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 Okay. So I will answer this uh, really good question. Sorry. I think you were really good. Uh, I'm sorry. As, as I said, I have really high demands on people. Okay. Eh, om allting eh, är helt perfekt i den här fyraårscykeln så skulle jag säga att eh, nästa säsong blir en fantastiskt rolig säsong. Väldigt utmanande på alla sätt med eh, tre barn på toren och <laughs> allt, alla som måste följa med för att hjälpa oss ta hand om dem. Men att vi helt, eh, också lyckas hitta ett bra fokus och eh, ett bra, en bra motivation och tagg i det. Och eh, det ser vi verkligen fram emot. Men sen efter egentligen nästa säsong, efter den här säsongen så är ju tanken att vi ska börja stegra inför OS och att helt enkelt bara knyta ihop säcken och spela lite mer, vara på toren lite mer och satsa stenhårt för att verkligen komma upp till toppnivå. Och förhoppningsvis så har vi en OS-uttagning redan då i maj 2025. Och sen har vi en fantastisk OS-säsong. Där vi tar mästerskapsmedaljer och känner att vi har gjort allt. Sen drömmer jag även om att eh, ha familj med mig på ett OS. För det fick vi inte ha den här gången. Så så ser det ut. Ja så. <laughs> det var kul. Det var kul. Uh, Okej, okay. wonderful. You don't have to translate it. I just asked Anna what the perfect quad would look like. And uh, I'm sure you just said winning everything. This is uh, what I call extremely, insanely difficult own career trivia. So I'm asking you questions about your own curling career, games you have been a part of. You're going to have four questions with five possible answers. Right now, the highest score is three. So we'll see if you can beat three out of five. Okay, here we go. Question number one at... The 2010 World Juniors, which you won, you beat the USA in the semifinal. Who was the American skip? Alex Carlson. That's right. One on the board. Okay, question (laughs) two. You went to the 2013 Universiad, which was held in Trentino, Italy. What was the name of the arena that it was held at? Oh, I have no idea. It is the Ice Rink Pine. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you went there for like a week and a half. You don't remember? That's crazy. I remember a lot of things with curling, but not the arena. If you ask, there's so many names. I know. I know. Why? Well, that's why this is extremely, insanely difficult trivia. Yes, uh, it's can't a good be question. super easy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Question what three. Was it, what was the arena? Ice rink Pine is what it was called. You won your first slam in 2018, the Elite 10, which was played under an ends one format, similar to a skins game. In the finals against Team Tier and Zoni, how many ends did you win? So that was the skins where you, you X'd an end if it got, was a carryover. That's right. Uh, and I remember we didn't play the full game. Three and oh. So close. Four. Four. Four and four. oh. Okay. Four and oh. They didn't win any. But you are right. You They did not play the seventh and eighth ends. So you got that part right. Well, yeah, because I remember and we finished in the sixth end because we finished in the in home end. And yet, unfortunately, not a correct answer. Uh, but you got a chance to redeem yourself. This question has two answers. It's the final question. At the 2018 Euros, your first European championship win, you lost to two teams in the round robin. Which two teams did you lose to? Evie. Scotland, I mean. Wrong. 2018. Yep. All right. It's the after Olympics. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, we lost to Switzerland, I'm sure. You did lose to Switzerland, Tiranzoni. Uh, yes. Oh, I know. Because that was the year when uh, we got uh, food poisoning. So <laughs> Sarah did not. Uh, we lost against Denmark. You did. That's right. Yes. Madeline DuPont. Yes. Very good. Yeah. What is with your team and getting food poisoning? You got food poisoning last year at the <laughs> players. What the hell? <laughs> okay. Now, okay, that was just a nicer way of saying that we all got uh, a stomach bug. <laughs> But I didn't. I, you were I fine. Was, I was okay. But yeah, Sarah and Agnes were, they were, they were wiped out. Congratulations. You tied the top score. Three out of five. This is the last thing I need you for. I'm starting a new segment on the show where I'm going to have you ask a question of my next guest. Because this is the first time that I'm doing this, I don't have a question for you. So I actually wrote an extra question for you, if that's okay. So you can answer that <laughs> okay, and then you yes. can give me the question for the next guest. Okay. But what if I think about the same question that you are going to ask? Then You, s you won't. I mean, I guarantee you won't. Okay. Okay, here we go. This is my question for you this week. I already asked you which curler you would most like to play with. Which curler would you most like to have a fika with? Oh, that is easy. Actually, because we have, we call different teams for different things. And last year, we had a given fika team that was like, oh. this is the team that you want to drink tea with. And that was uh, Tracy Fleury's old team. They had the, the oh, whole... Oh, really? Yeah, they, they, like, they're, I, they're such a good people, too. And yes. And obviously, I take Fikas with a lot of... Because, uh, like, Evie and uh, Lauren Gray, like, they were from Scotland. They're, like, good friends. So, yes, we have taken Fikas with them. But to say some someone else that isn't our, like, a close friend uh, like that, I would say Tracy Fleury's old team because we said that they were Love it. a team that we would like to take a fika with. Did you make them call it a fika? Uh, no, no, we didn't. I, I never think we told them that. We just thought they were so nice. Yeah, they had such a nice dynamic and their new teams are also nice. Love it. Okay, what's your question for my next guest? <laughs> yeah, of course. Everybody's nice. We've already learned that you think that about everybody. Uh, what's your question for my next guest? 
What is your toughest loss? Oh, that's a good one. I love I love asking people about losses because um, <laughs> it's easy to talk about wins. Uh, Anna, thank you so much. This was an absolute pleasure. So fun to finally interview you. I had you on a Twitch stream, but this is the first time we've got to sat down and talk. It was amazing. Uh, before we go, uh, a chance to plug your sponsors, please. Yes, uh, say a big thank you to Sandvik, Vattenfall, Sernike. Uh, MG Bilar, um, Hardline, Runback. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on this journey together. And uh, you make us very happy people, people that are be able to do this for a living. And um, yes, we do this together. Thank you. Beautiful. When you said thank you for being on this journey together, I thought you were talking about me at first. I was like, oh, this has been a bit of a journey, hasn't it? <laughs> Thanks, Your Anna. Swedish part was a journey for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was a journey for the listeners, too, I think. <laughs> well, I will I will remember when, when you asked me about how my, my fourth birthday would be. So it's <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. You're a winner, my team captain, the governor, you're the boss. You leave the other standing, you're my prophet, it's a There you have it. That was our wonderful chat with Anna Hasselborg. I promised you it wouldn't disappoint. Maybe the only thing that was disappointing about that interview was my command of the Swedish language. And uh, returning this week, last week we had, or I guess two weeks ago, last episode, we had a great uh, appearance from... My poppy Warren, Warren Hansen, who gave us a great lesson about the history of the corn broom. This week, we are going to return to the question of the week. And I know one of the things we love the most about this sport is a first time Scotties or Briar participant, right? There's nothing more fun than, as I talked about at the start of the episode, seeing uh, a team or some curlers get to their first Briar or Scotties get to see that emotion, that moment. Uh, and it's also just fun once we actually get to the Briar and Scotties to get to see people experiencing it for the first time. So I wanted to talk to a few of those upcoming first time Scotties and Briar participants about their upcoming first appearance in those events. So I asked each of these curlers two questions. I asked them uh, what they're most looking forward to at their first Briar or Scotties. And I asked them about other than practice, what is something that your team or you individually are doing to prepare for your first national championship at the men's and ladies level? And we're going to start off with right here in my home province, Lindsay Dubay, uh, the second for Team Clancy Grandy heading off to their first Scotties, their home province Scotties here in Kamloops, BC. Coming up in a couple weeks, I asked Lindsay those two questions, and here is what she had to say. Hi, John. It's Lindsay Dubay, the second from Team Grandy, also Team BC at the upcoming Scotties. With this being my first Scotties, I think there's so much to look forward to, so it's really hard to narrow it down to just one thing. First and foremost, I think being Team BC while playing in BC is going to be a really cool experience. I'm also really looking forward to playing on a national stage again, this time at the women's level at such a prestigious Canadian event. And I'm also definitely looking forward to getting my first Scotty's necklace. We all know that this is such a special tradition, so we're really grateful to Kruger Products for continuing to support this tradition. Aside from practicing, my team is preparing for the Scotties by getting more games under our belts. We're actually currently in Switzerland, um, in Bern, and we'll be playing this upcoming weekend in the International Bern Ladies' Cup against some great competitions, so make sure to check that out. Thanks. So you can hear... 
crazy schedule for Team Grandy this year if you weren't following along. And they're obviously continuing that crazy schedule by winning the province and going to Switzerland. I, I'm seeing pictures. Lindsay's been posting them on Instagram, their whole team. They look like they're having a great time over there in Bern. I think they've been in Lausanne. Looks amazing. I don't know where those trips were when I curled. But uh, yeah, one way to keep sharp, keep competing. It's a great strategy. Let's stay in BC. BC, one of the first provinces to settle their men's champion for the upcoming Briar. And it was the young Jacques Gauthier and his team of Sterling Middleton, Jason Ginter, Alex Horvath, and coach Brian Mickey, who made it to the Briar out of BC. They went undefeated through the BC field. If you weren't following that story, it was amazing. Jacques Gauthier uh, missed the one two game on the Saturday. He was super sick. He told me he lost 13 pounds over the course of that weekend. Crazy, but he managed to recover in time for the final on Sunday where they beat the defending champion team Pierce. We're going to hear from the two JGs, Jacques Gauthier and Jason Ginter about what they're doing to get ready for their first briar. What I'm looking forward to at my first briar the most would be the fans for sure. Um, over the years, some of the biggest shots have had the biggest reactions, and I love the idea of playing in front of an electric crowd. Uh, ever since I watched the 2013 Olympic trials here in Winnipeg, and Brad Jacobs absolutely electrified the crowd, I can't, I couldn't wait to play in front of a crowd like that myself, and hopefully we're the cause for some reactions like that as the week goes on. Something that I'm doing other than practicing to prepare for the Briar is watching old Briar games. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the game and I check in on the top dogs and see what they're doing all the time and see what kind of what kind of new strategies, the botchers, the cooies, the gooshus, what they're deploying and what kind of shots we have to expect from them and what kind of shots we have to expect them to make kind of throughout the game. So it's a little bit different. You know, we've played some of these big guys throughout the year on curling club ice and the, and the WCT, but playing them with the Briar is a whole different bear and we got to know what to expect when we get to that level and get to the show um, for how they play and how we're going to have to play to uh, compete with them. So some good stuff there. Obviously, as you'll, you hear this and you see this with a lot of these teams, they do have great coaches. It's very difficult to break through at the provincial level without having that true top level coaching. And Brian Mickey has been obviously a top level player in this province, but he's also been a top level coach for a long time as well. And also sometimes it can help from just coming from a great bloodline. Like we're going to hear next from Kelly Madaw, the daughter of Wayne and Sherry ever heard of them. She just uh, qualified for her first Scotties out of Quebec playing with the Laurie St. George team. And uh, yeah, she said, uh, yeah, you know, maybe I'll lean on my parents a little bit in preparation for my first Scotties. Let's hear from her. Hi, my name is Kelly Madaw, and I play lead for Team Laurie St. George. The thing that I'm most excited for at the Scotties is I'm really just looking forward to competing. I've listened to my mom and my dad talk about being at the Scotties and Briars so much in the past, and it just makes me so excited to play on that level and compete against teams from across Canada. I'm just really excited, and I don't think it's fully hit me yet that I'm going. For the second question, I'm making sure I'm ahead in school. I'm in college right now, so I want to make sure that I'm not worrying about assignments and that I can just enjoy the experience to the max. I'm also talking lots to my teammates and my mom 
because they've all been to past Scotties. So I'm really just trying to pick their brain and see all the information and advice they can share with me so that I can be the best player and best teammate and that I can just enjoy the entire time I'm there. And finally, you saw the amazing shot that I talked about off the top of the show. Kayla Skurlick not only made that shot in 10, but also made a crucial freeze in the ninth against Casey Scheidegger to only give up two points. If she doesn't make that freeze, she's giving up four. It's game over. She makes a life-saving freeze in nine, then makes that double in 10 to win the Alberta Scotties. Called and made, as they say, uh, an amazing shot. And so I thought I got to... I got to talk to Kayla. I got to hear how she's processing this. And so this is what Kayla had to say. And just a little note, it is Kayla Skrillick. There's no EDM records in their past. We're not talking Skrillex. Kayla Skrillick, we're going to hear from her and what she's excited about for her first Scotties. Kayla Skrillick. All right. Getting the chance to toss on an Alberta jacket at the Scotties is an amazing feeling. I'm excited to play some teams that I've been watching on TV for years. I'm hoping for good games and maybe us coming out on top in more cases than not. Other than practice, we'll be sitting down with their sports psychologist to come up with strategies to best prepare for the Scotties. Other than that, it's the longest event we've been playing this season, and we'll need to make sure our bodies are in the best health. So making sure we maintain our fitness regimens and keeping up with physio is going to be just super important. Also, just in case we get a chance to play on the mics, I might have to work on cleaning up my language going into the Scotties so we're not uh, fined too much. Look, I'll tell you this about Kayla. As some of you may know, if you've been watching some of the coverage of tournaments over the years on Curling Live, of which I am the official broadcaster for them, I have this thing called Curses for Kids, where anytime anyone swears on stream, they have to donate $10 to the Sandra Schmirler Foundation. Kayla Skurlick set a single game record by swearing four times in one game. She owed $40 to the Sandra Schmirler Foundation. And you know what? She won that game 10 to 3. So swearing four times on mic in a game you're winning 10 to 3. Yeah, Kayla, I do think that's probably good advice to yourself. You should probably clean up the swears before you get to the biggest television audiences of your career thus far. I want to thank... Anna Hasselborg, I want to thank all of the curlers who participated in the question of the week. I want to thank you for listening. I want to shout out Mike Rogerson, Amal Delich, Kevin Warren, everybody at Sportsnet. Another way inside, we did it. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Cullen on Curling. We will be back here in another two weeks with another fabulous guest. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. I hope you have a great couple weeks. Enjoy all the provincial playdowns. It's a great time of year. See ya. So if I stay with you, I'll be a winner too.